Hello, and welcome to Columbus Local Podcast. This is Len D'Amico, and this is also episode number 56. Tonight is my great, great honor and pleasure to have Michael Doctor with us this evening. Michael, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Len? Fantastic. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for coming. Um, I think it's just a wonderful uh, experience to see these guys live out there in the Columbus area yep. playing how many gigs this year? Uh, we're going to probably end up with about 45 this year, which isn't our, which isn't our top year. Uh, several years ago, we did 65 shows one year. And I'll be honest with you, that's a lot of work. You don't have a lot of free time, and uh, it uh, it cuts into your family life a little bit. But boy, did we have fun! We had eleven shows in August that year. That was a real challenge. For uh, sure. Yeah. This year we uh, since COVID we've uh, we've actually backed off a little bit, and we're uh, we're going to end up with probably forty three or forty five shows, something like that. We always wait and keep something open in case somebody calls at the last minute. But uh, we're not even actively booking anymore for the year. We're we're pretty well full. That's a that's a pretty full book though, yeah. and it's and it, as I said, uh, it's just a pleasure to see you guys still out there after how many years? Uh, we've been together seventeen years now. Yeah, it's it's just been a, a blessing, just an absolute <laughs> blessing. It's uh, it's just been uh, it, it's been so good to be with some quality quality musicians, and uh, very little turnover in the seventeen years. We're very proud of that. Yeah, Michael Doctor is the front man, yep. and uh, he is just an extraordinary vocalist, <laughs> uh, fronting these guys live. Uh, we see you all over town and uh, looking forward to a 2024 um, with such a great book. We're, uh, we are very blessed to uh, still be as, as, as wanted as we are. Well, and rock cover band, right? Yes. That um, just is, is uh, hopefully you don't take offense. I, I've, I heard somebody recently use the word seasoned. Mm-hmm. You know, seasoned is is an experienced group. I like experienced. We are experienced. Yep. We've uh, we've been through a lot of trials and tribulations, and we've we've done a uh, a great transition through the years to kind of stay to stay as current as we can, and at the same time, uh, stay true to our core, which is '80s classic rock. And uh, we try we try to really focus on that. Although we we've strayed a little bit, we do a little country. And uh, we'll do a little soulful music from time to time, but mainly we're we're trying to keep true to the '80s classic rock uh, uh, genre. Yep, and a fine job you gentlemen do. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> we we have a lot of fun. I tend to hit you guys when you're like at Papa Boo's out in uh, oh in uh, Buckeye Lake and <laughs> yeah. the hot hot sun in the summer. With I'll the... tell you, Papa Boo's, without a doubt, my favorite place to play. Um, we have had some great, great shows out there, and I, I, there are times that uh, uh, we'll be in the middle of a show, and I'll kind of turn my back to the audience, and I'll, I'll face Michael Contras, our keyboard player, and I'll mouth these words, I love this place, yes. and he just cracks <laughs> up, and, and we'll just have a blast out there. They love us. We love them. Yeah, for sure, yep. man. Yep. Absolutely. Well, you know, we'll talk more about these guys live, but um, I want to also make sure that uh, we identified 
anything else that that you've been working on uh well currently yes uh as you know covid kind of changed a whole lot of things especially in the in the in the music field in local uh local music in columbus uh it's uh, the hours have changed it used to be you played till one o'clock in the morning and now most places want you to end at 11 or midnight it's just been a total transition in the industry itself uh Prior to COVID, I, I really believe that we were leading the pack at the time. And uh, a lot of bands kept going during COVID. We chose, because of our um, our age bracket and the fact that we were in the high-risk area, some of us, we decided to just take a hiatus during COVID. And during that time, I uh, was fortunate enough to have... Uh, some inspiration from my better half, and we started the Michael Doctor's Feel Good Show, uh, a solo act that I do, I know. It's awesome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that show yet, well, but, you should but see I'm going to keep an eye I, out. What I tell people, please come out and laugh with me, not at me. <laughs> I, uh, I do basically, I don't play any instruments. The uh, These guys live will not let me near an instrument, not even a tambourine. And if you saw my dance steps, you'd understand why. There's, there's virtually no rhythm in this old white man. That's so, <laughs> But we have a lot of fun. And uh, the solo show gives me the opportunity to really do music that, that is a little different than, uh, than these guys live. I'll do, I have all kinds of different shows that I can tap into. It's, it's basically a, uh, a glorified karaoke system that I sing backing tracks with. And I just have a blast. I'll do a Frank Sinatra show one night, or I'll do a country show. I can just pull out anything. I've got uh, several thousand songs to choose from, and whatever the uh, whatever the venue asks for is what I'll provide. And I'm just having a blast. That's awesome. So in a way, it's kind of been a blessing that COVID came along because this never would have happened. And yeah, and it seems yeah. that you know it'll be a really flexible, high demand uh, type of an act. It is. Uh, it, it's really fun because what I'm able to do is I'm able to book a lot of Tuesdays and Thursday shows, which leaves me free for the band on the weekends. So it's it's really it's really just been a godsend for me. That's awesome yeah. to hear, man. And I just love singing. Actually, people pay me to do this, and I I'm, I'm just in awe of that because honestly, I do it for free. Don't tell the bar owners that, but I would do this for free. <laughs> the cat's out of the bag <laughs> the now. The cat's man. out now, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if they ask you for that, they, I don't. I don't know many venues that would want you to do it for free. You know, no, they uh, they respect that. us. We respect them. Yeah. One thing about these guys live that I really want to emphasize: uh, we we are very punctual. We treat this like a business, and it is a business for us. You know, we've been we've been to see other bands that play and they advertise they'll start at nine o'clock and at nine thirty they're doing a sound check and by twenty to ten they might start their first set. Uh we believe in if it says nine o'clock on the contract, we're hitting the first note at nine o'clock. Yeah. We're not one of these bands that just kind of moseys in. We treat it like a business. It's a fun business. We have an absolute blast. But it is a business, and we treat it like that. We have uh, uh, Michael Keller, who you were privileged enough to have on the show here a few weeks ago, uh, guitar, uh, Michael Contras, uh, keyboards, uh, Marty Brasington, our drummer, who's just amazing, uh, Flint Vasher, bass player, and thank God Flint came along because 
he now sings all the high harmonies and I can go back to the melodies, which has really saved me quite a bit. That's good uh, He is just an amazing vocalist. Yeah. So uh, we let him feature a little bit and we have fun with that. And uh, then uh, just me and just the five of us have just a blast. These That's guys right. live. You betcha. Who came up with the name? That's interesting you would ask that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I know Mike Keller will stick to this story that uh, the name of the band was going to be The Working Stiffs. Uh, and we, we being me, I wasn't crazy about that name, so we threw some other names into the hat. And we came down, we actually narrowed it down to two. The first one was These Guys Live great name. The second one was after a person we were going to call ourselves Justin Normus. Say it fast. Justin Normus. Thank you. My point exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so we couldn't go with that. So we went with the name These Guys Live and where it came from, the, uh, the origin of the name came off of the uh, Abbott and Costello Who's On First. Uh, comedy skit. So we're all sitting around and we had had a few uh, cocktails that night and um, other libations, if you will. And uh, we're throwing around these names. And what we thought was, okay, so let's say, Len, you get a hold of Beth and you say to Beth, hey, Beth, let's go see these guys live. Beth would then respond to you, okay, who are they? These if, guys live. Yeah, thank you. If you get that, then... <laughs> And you get the band. You get the band. You get the sense of humor. <laughs> so we stuck with That's these cool. guys live. Uh, I will tell you, after 17 years, I kind of wish we would have gone with a one-name band. A whole lot easier to market and promo. I get that, man. I totally get that. Yes. Well, especially email addresses. Oh, well, you better right. believe it. Yeah. you got to type that all out. You, yes. Right, right, so right, right. right. Yeah, I know. So true. Wow. Well, um, wow, that, you know, that's just 17 years too, man. Congratulations, oh, know. you know. And, what, what and there's frustrates, no end in sight. It's good. No, we're going. I'm, rolling. I'm ready to keep going. I'm 70 years old. Hopefully I don't look 70. I certainly don't, I don't feel 70. So. Uh, uh, until the next morning. The following morning, I feel 90 when I, when I wake up. But when I'm on stage, I feel like I'm 30 years old. And we have such a blast. That's awesome. Such a blast. That's awesome to hear. Yep. Yep. Well, good for you, man. And so for you, I know you're a long life person here in mm -hmm. Columbus, Ohio area. Yes. Uh -huh. But, you know, do you, do you remember your earliest memory of, of music and how it, oh, yes. how it bit you? <laughs> well, yes, I do. It's a great story. I was, uh, when I was four years old, I was absolutely in love with Elvis Presley. And I had all of his albums. And uh, I would stand, my parents bought me a little plastic ukulele. And I would, we had this mirror up in the hallway in our, in our home. And I would stand in front of the mirror playing Elvis Presley songs and singing to Elvis Presley songs with the ukulele, with my, you know, with my leg doing the romp and uh, my hips doing the back and forth. I'm four years old. And I realized then that singing was going to be something special for me. So yes, very early age. That's, that's, that is pretty early. Yes. <laughs> um, and so in your home, did you have a lot of musical uh, exposures? My, uh, thank God, yes. My dad, who was also a singer, who just an incredible tenor, 
Uh, he had uh, a little cup of coffee uh, during World War II. My dad toured Europe with the Andrew sisters, uh, entertaining the troops, and just had some great stories to tell about that. He's told about the Andrew sisters. When they were on stage, they were the most professional, best friend you would ever see. When they'd walk off stage, he said they'd go in different directions and never say another word to each other. They hated each Can other. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine? No. But then they pulled it together. Like Sammy and Dave or yeah, something, right? to get on stage and just put it together like that. And then go their separate ways off stage. He said it made it very difficult for him at times. I'll bet. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So there were other... Um, Perhaps some some other influencers for you, you know, at a younger age. There what? were there, yeah. um, the uh, uh, well. Let me go back to my first show. Oh, okay, cool. My parents drove me to Cincinnati. My sister and myself, the four of us, my mom, dad, my sister, and me, took me to my very first concert at the age of ten. We went to Cincinnati to see Ella Fitzgerald, and watching Ella Fitzgerald in her in her prime, sixty three in, in nineteen sixty three, in her prime, I I had. I'm, I have chills now thinking about it. Uh, that was an enlightening thing for me. That that really opened my eyes into knowing that I at least wanted to sing in some way, shape, or form. I was always in all the choirs and the ensembles in school and everything, so uh, I, I tried to follow as much as I could like with music. Ella, Ella, Ella kind of took oh, hold of you then. Very my, impressionable uh, young age. Cincinnati, there's a there's a Ohio. song there's a song that was recorded in 1958 Ella Fitzgerald live in Los Angeles, uh, and she did a song called "Stomping at the Savoy." It's a, about a six minute and fifty second jam, with uh, Les Brown trio at backing her, and I can if that comes on right now it's a six minute and like forty two second song, I can mimic. Every line of that song, including all of her scats and everything else, I take it out. My dad has been gone for a long time, and he loved Ella. And uh, about once a year, I'll go out on Father's Day, and I'll go to the cemetery, and I'll take my little boombox with me, and I'll play that song for him. And I'll, I'll sing what I can until I start crying. But, oh, my uh, gosh. Just, just, I still do it to this day. What a tribute. Yeah. What yeah. a tribute. Dad was just so cool. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, at, at some point though, you know, from Ella, mm -hmm. um, when did you start getting influenced by rock music? Well, um, I had a chance, I had a chance to, uh, uh, a good friend of mine who I ended up being the best man at his wedding, Bruce Freiberger, who I think has since passed his sister, Linda, who I like to think of as one of the original hippies uh, in the 60s, she had this house, this beautiful home up on Bethel Road, just east of the railroad tracks. It's no, obviously no longer there. It's all business up there now. But she had an in-ground pool and a great home. And she had uh, become very good friends with Kenny Rogers and the first edition. Before they were very popular, they were still trying to make a name for themselves. So when they would come to Columbus... They would stay at her house. Well, Linda was just just an amazing, amazing hippie, if you will. And she was dating the drummer to Blood, Sweat, and Tears. So 
she had a couple of tickets and Bruce was going with his girlfriend and she asked me, now I'm, I'm 15 years old and she's like 23 and just hot as hell. <laughs> <laughs> and here I am, I'm sitting in the second row with, 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 from my first rock concert, Blood, Sweat and Tears. Uh, David Clayton Thomas, when, when You Made Me So Very Happy was just, was, was on the charts at that time. And they had, they came out and, uh, the opening band, the opening band was Canned Heat. No way. Yeah. And you're 15 years I'm old. I'm 15, checking them out. It was just amazing. And, uh, uh, it was, it was an experience that really, really kind of set me off. It, it kind of set me on that path. Yeah. yeah. Good for you, man. Yeah. Um, what, what else happened around, uh, those times where rock music was kind of coming around and you know, getting in? Getting <laughs> well, let me, let me take you back a couple of years before that. My very first band, um, was the Mod Men, not the Mod Men, the Mod Men spelled M-I-N. We, uh, we had a logo. It looked like these Oriental letters. I can probably recreate that with like two seconds worth of time. The Mod Men had, uh, we had uh, no talent and a whole lot of fun. Uh, we did a couple of shows. Uh, the big thing for us, we really had perfected Little Black Egg and Gloria. Oh, wow. Everybody played Little Black Egg and Gloria <laughs> back then. <laughs> but we, we were pretty good at it. Well, good. Yeah. That's good. That's yeah. a good deal. Good stuff. So that that was, um, you know, as a teenager, mm -hmm. um, Starting to get more into rock music, it seems. Yes, yes. The uh, um, the um, let me go back and first of all I'll tell you a little bit about uh, some of the shows that I've been to. Yeah. Um, uh, my, I was at the Who concert in Cincinnati in '79 at the Stampede. If you recall, it was just a tragic event. Eleven, eleven souls were taken from us that night. Yeah. That happened right behind me. Uh, I can I can visualize it. It was it started out as a joke. Um, there were people gathering, and it, back then it was general admission seating. There was, in fact, that was the show that stopped that, that stopped from happening. It, that yep. stopped it from happening. Um, we were in line to get in as general admission. We wanted to get up close, so we got there early, and we're standing in there at the doors that are getting ready to open, and people started pushing and. It got. It was fun at first. People were just kind of shoving you, and you kind of move a few feet, and then you'd move back, kind of like an ocean wave. And then it got a little more aggressive. Uh, you could hear inside the Who was doing their sound check, and some people thought that the show had started, so they were pushing aggressively, and we got pushed up towards a wall. And I recall I was standing virtually upright and I literally slid with my feet skimming across the ground about 20 feet and fortunately I'm tall enough they opened up one door out of 16 they opened up one door and I grabbed the door as I was going by it had I missed the door I would have been 20 feet past it but the but holding onto that door with a death grip uh, the people that went well, by me, it kind of pushed me into the show. So I got in the door, and I'm fine at that point in time. My buddy who I was with, uh, 
had to jump over the door. He was pinned behind the door. So he jumps over the door and I help him down and we go inside. And just as we're going in, I turned around and I, I watched behind me and I saw all these people, this humanity, they, they were shifting to the left and then to the right. And then they just kind of slammed to the ground and then people started walking over them. It was, it was just tragic, yeah. just tragic. And so we're walking inside. We didn't think any more of it. And we go inside and we're walking towards, you know, getting down on the floor to get close to the stage. And these medics are coming by with all these cots, these, these mobile cots. And again, we, we thought people just had OD'd. It was, you know, it was 1970, whatever. And we, we just thought that people had OD'd. Oh. So we go to the show, they perform the show, great show, of course, and we leave and there's all these television people that are there with the big bright lights and they didn't interview us. We just kept walking, not thinking anything of it, thinking they were just saying, hey, how was the show? You know, hope you had a good time. We stopped for pizza on the way home, just on the north side of Cincinnati. And we walked in just about the time the news was on, the local news, and they had it on on the TV camera and the guy says, you guys were really famous. You made national news tonight. What's going on? 11 people had died. And as soon as he said that, I knew that it had happened right behind me. And it was it, to this day, oh, just tragic, just tragic. And we, uh, to this day, uh, I, I just, I can't get over it. It was, it was that much of an impact in me. Yes. Yeah. It was horrible. Uh, on tragedy, my parents were also at the 1977 Beverly Hills Supper Club fire, again in Cincinnati, uh, to see John Denver. And my dad, thank God, was one of the last people to get out alive. 180-some people died. Oh, my gosh. It was just, you know, horrible. But again, all music-related. Right, so, right. But it never deterred me. I mean, music is in my blood. Uh, my dad, who really was the man who was instrumental in giving me my vocal lessons, you know, teaching me breathing techniques and uh, uh, my diaphragm control and pitch control. I learned all that from my dad. And uh, I'm so blessed oh, you are to have had blessed. him in my life to, to be that mentor for yeah. me. Yeah, he was uh, just a, a great performer, just a great performer. We did one duet together. My dad, <laughs> we're, up at, we're up at Northland, uh, I'm sorry, we're up at the Continent, the Continent Food Court. Right. And they had something called... The French Market. Yes, the French Market. Be a star <laughs> recording studio. Yes. My dad and I are up there having lunch one day. My dad is well past his prime. He was uh, 74 or 5 at the time. Of course, I'm 70, and I think I'm still in my prime. Right. He yeah. probably thought he was in his prime, too, come to think of it. <laughs> um, so we, we step into the studio, and we did, uh, we did a duet uh, called all, To All the Girls I've Loved Before, which was um, uh, Willie Nelson, Julio Iglesias duet. And my dad and I performed that together. And that's the only recording I have of the two of us. What did they record those years. on? Was it cassette? Little, it was oh, on a little it cassette. cassette. It was like two dollars and ninety nine cents oh to gosh. record a song. <laughs> so, do you still have that recording? I have it in the house. Yeah, I have it somewhere at home. I have a hard time listening to it. I, in oh fact, I God. haven't listened to it. Um, it, it, it would. I, I'm sure that uh, I'm quite an emotional guy to begin with, yeah. and uh, I cry at the crack of a, you know at the drop of a hat. 
And I know that it would just be really hard to listen to it. But I know I've got it, and that's good enough for me. That is good. I, you know, I do yeah. know the cassettes don't, don't, they don't last. No, no, it's. You, uh, you might want to maybe try to have someone, maybe not at at your ear distance. Yes. Maybe transfer. I don't even know anybody that's got a cassette drive. player anymore. <laughs> well, God, that's well, I'll find one. It. That's a good. That's it's a good part, idea, Ken. Lynn, that's a great idea. I'll I'll try to remember that. That could be part of it. Mm -hmm. um, but what a blessing too to have your father who sang professionally oh, with amazing. all those skills, you know, my dad show, was, show you the way. He did. And my dad was really instrumental in, in just instilling in me that uh, the show must go on. And I, I, I stayed with that. My dad, who uh, exemplified that, or actually uh, uh, he was in a, a show, a local production um and I went to the show and I watched my dad and he was, he was dying of congestive heart disease at the time, just, just very frail, but he still had to perform. He had to go on stage. That was, that was his life. That was his lifeline. And I'm watching him perform and I knew that he had nitroglycerin tablets in his pocket and I'm watching him in the middle of singing and dancing as he spins around, he throws a nitro tablet in his mouth because he's having an angina attack. Yeah. At that very moment, you'd never know. He never missed a beat. Now, and that just made such an impact on me. I've performed uh, when I've had food poisoning. Oh, my God, what a night. I, I burped and hiccuped till the moment I walked on stage, it stopped. I did the entire show burp-free. I walk off stage, and it starts up again. I don't know what got me through that, but I got through it. Uh, I Willpower. Was, willpower. Willpower I performed. In, in your, your father's work ethic, yeah, right? Yeah, my dad in my head, my yeah. dad in my, in my, in my ear. Wow. My, uh, I performed one night at a place in Pickerington, uh, I'd like to say I, I did this like something crazy, like jumping off of a, you know, a, a, one of the, one of the uh, uh, speakers, but no. In between sets, I walk into the restroom to um, take care of my business, and I slip on the floor and I tear my hamstring. I literally ripped my hamstring. My one foot stayed where it was, and the other foot went sliding. And I did the James Brown splits and I couldn't get back up. These people had to help me up. I was in such pain, and we only had performed one set. We had another whole set to do. I don't know how I got through it, but I performed that second set, again, listening to my dad going, the show must go on. So I got through it. I don't remember any of it. I don't even remember loading out. But, but, but you know you did the show. I know I did the show. Wow. Yeah, I did the show, and I'm quite happy that I did. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Um, so, you, you, um, you, if I remember correctly, um, you were is a teenager mm -hmm. um, in your first band, the uh, the the Mod Men. The Mod Men. <laughs> G L O R I A Gloria. <laughs> Couple other bands after that. Anything well, interesting you know, happening there? I've, like in your I've had I've had forward? a very a very limited experience in in music. I've been in a total of three bands in my entire life. I was in the Mod Men, 
And then when I was 24, we formed a band called Felony. And uh, we, we had a little cup of coffee in the bigs, I guess, if you'd call that. We, we played at the Ohio State Fair, and we did a couple other decent shows. Uh, but we really weren't very good. <laughs> we had a lot of fun, though. And, well, we just kept... We just kept thinking we were better than we really were. And collectively, we, individually, we were very good musicians. We couldn't put it together as a band. Though. Oh, my gosh. So, was, that, no, was that a rock cover band? Oh, yeah, rock cover. Rock? Oh, yeah, yeah, we were doing, uh, we did some crazy stuff. We did, uh, oh, gosh, I can't think of the name of the song now. I need your love in here beside me. Keep it close enough to guide me. All the tears that are inside of me. Oh, you're the biggest part of me. That's the name of the song. <laughs> R&B. R&B. Yeah. We did a lot of that. Oh, man. And we had a blast. Uh, great guitar player. Um, gosh, I'm not remembering his name right now. I'm sorry. I wish I could. We ended up replacing him with Pete Wickham. You know Pete? Oh, I know the name. Oh, my but... God. Pete, one yeah. of the... If you want electronic gear repaired... <laughs> He's Get a man. hold of Pete Wickham. Okay. He's out by he's out by uh, Buckeye Lake. He's got a he's got a, uh, a, a business out there, and uh, I've taken some gear out there. I know Mike Keller is taking some gear out there. Pete is just he was a really good musician when he played, and now he doesn't play anymore. But he's still tinkering around. With he's gear still tinkering. Yeah, yeah, let's see that band uh, Felony. We had uh, Jeff Mix on bass, Jim Dobbs on uh, uh, drums. Uh, Pete Wickham on guitar and a friend of mine, Dave Pfeiffer on keyboards. And my Dave Pfeiffer, <laughs> Dave was in the Ohio State University marching band, like Beth. Yeah. And uh, so he came from uh, the marching band uh, genre into uh, rock and roll, and it took him a little time to adjust, but he he got he got the, he got it after a while. Uh, we were we were really. Um, we were fun. We weren't great, but we were fun. Yeah, sometimes that's yeah, all it matters. That's all it takes. We know? had we had a blast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good deal. Mm -hmm. So were you um, then, were you doing any recording in your early days or your, you know, I guess this is in your 20s at no, this point, right? No, when I, uh, when I left uh, Felony, um, I really stepped away from music for several years. Yeah. And uh, I would sing in the shower, and I would I would go to a, you know a few bars once in a while and sing a little karaoke just to, just because I love singing. But truthfully, I I really missed it. And when uh, when these guys live came calling, it was just kind of a it was just one of those things where the stars just lined up. You know, I was uh, um, the working stiffs, if you will, which was Mike Keller, uh, Bob Grover. Uh, Joe Holton, who ended up being our drummer, um, and uh, those those guys were jamming on on Sunday afternoons, and they asked me to come over and they gave me a few songs to get prepared for, and I came over and jammed with them a little bit. I think we did five songs, and at the end of the fifth song, they said, "Hey, you want to start a band?" And I said, "Okay, why not?" And that uh, was the start of these guys live. It uh, and and from there we went from. Uh, Bob Grover wanted to uh, he wanted to do something solo on his own, so he didn't come with Carry us. Forward. Yes, but uh, we had I think the original members of these guys live. Let's see, Brian Leinhauser on keyboards, Fletch Sears on bass, Mike Keller on guitar, 
um, Joe Holton on bass um, on drums, and then I I fronted the band. And, and you're still fronting. And the band. I'm still fronting the Here band. You are. You know, we've had just a good a, gang. We've had so few turnover in our band. It's not like it's not like other bands that seem like they they seem to have visiting musicians all the time sitting in. We just don't do that. Every once in a while, our our uh, drummer Marty, who's a triathlete, will uh, have to go and you know compete in one of those. And if we have a show, we have a, we have a fill-in drummer that we can use on time to time. But uh, uh, for the most part, if if we're not all together to play, we won't play. Hmm. Yeah, we just That's... we just like it that much together. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. get that brotherhood. It's it's rare it's, and it's fun. And, and there's no drama in our band. We are just we're just a bunch of fun guys that like to have fun. We come to we get to rehearse. We rehearse every Tuesday night over at uh, Flint uh, Vasher, our bass player's uh, uh, basement. He's got a little studio down there. It's really nice, and we will uh, um, we'll we'll get there. Our practice is from six thirty to nine thirty every Tuesday. We won't play the first note till eight o'clock. We will sit around and tell stories and laugh and carry on and talk about songs we should be doing in the future and songs we want to drop from our current rotation. And we'll go through all that and talk about band business, about shows coming up, etc. But for the most part, we are just five guys that just like to have fun together. We just sit around and laugh. <laughs> And like I say, we get there at six thirty. We, we might make a lot of noise, though. Man. We do. You we do. might start playing by eight o'clock. <laughs> you know, I always like that model too because I um, had ran a band uh, yeah. years ago, but uh-huh. um, we'd start with a little conversation about band business. You know, upcoming mm-hmm. gigs. Who's got some song ideas? Want to cover? You know, some yeah. of the stuff you're talking about. Just goofing around. Yes. Um, I think I sometimes get too serious, personally. Yes. But you guys aren't that serious. I think you're serious about what you're delivering. We're serious about and the quality. you're serious about the, yeah, yes. the quality and, and your punctuality yes. and your professionalism. We are, we are a professional band but you're, that is but you're very punctual. Enough, but you're very loose enough it's to have a great time. so much fun. Yeah. yeah I, and I, I probably shouldn't say this because venues will listen to this, but I'll say it anyways. I can't believe they pay me to do this. Uh-huh. I would do this for free. I don't think you're alone out there, you know? No, I um, just, I love it, singing. When you, get, when you get to do, when you discover the things that you are passionate about and you're fortunate enough to maybe make a little, earn some money on that, yes. that's, that's where it's at. It's, it's so much fun. And I've been able to, you know, add some really nice gear to my collection. And uh, I've got more than a mic stand and a microphone, <laughs> just so public knows that. The band will never admit that. But, but I know I've got a little more going on than that. Yeah, and you know you, you've got such a strong following too that's yeah. stuck with you guys over the it's, years. It's just been it's just been a real blessing for us. We have we have fans that have been with us for seventeen years. It's uh, we have one couple. Uh, uh, I'll leave their name out, but they used to come to every show for like ten years, and they'd still be coming, but they moved to Arizona, <laughs> and he was so disappointed that he couldn't come see the band anymore. So, yeah, but they came to every show. I even came up to him one time and I said, you guys need a life. We're good, but we're not that good. (laughs) (laughs) 
You know, here's the thing, though, man. I mean, like, I'm, I'm, we're in the same age bracket, right? right. Like, you reach a point in your life where um, you're either going to lazy boy or recline it, which I refuse to do. Yes. Uh, so you're going to go out. Yes. And you're going to go see live music. Absolutely. It's a good thing to do. Yes. You know, it really is. I've got a couple bands. You can bands. dance, you can exercise, you can enjoy, um, you know, what's going on there. Yeah. I've I've really, uh, I found a couple really nice So it bands. is a life. I think that was my point. It, yeah. It is a life. It is a life. Um, I've I've really taken a liking to uh, uh, um, Julie with Late Night Alibi. Uh, yeah, yeah, Julie. Julie Neal oh is uh, yeah, and, she, and she's um, best female vocalist I've ever I've ever heard personally. Um, and her husband Ben is in uh, uh, um, Long, Long Play, Long play yeah. uh, with my dear friend Matt Venus, mm. uh, guitar player. Matt was in our band for several years. Uh, we at one time were a six piece band, and we uh, went with two guitar players, um, really out of necessity at the time. We, uh, we were in a situation where um, one of the few times that somebody has left the band, our keyboard player was leaving the band, and we were stuck in a position where you might have to cancel shows, which incidentally we have never done in 17 years. We've never canceled a show. But uh, um, during that time uh, when we were uh, thinking that maybe we're getting jammed up with only without our keyboard player, we decided to add a second guitar player at the time. And our first addition at the time was Paul Bernardo. And Paul is just... I love Paul. Oh, I and, love him. And uh, Vincenzo, his son. Yep. Have, you heard, have you heard about Vince? Oh my gosh, yeah. A prodigy. Radio, Radio an City. absolute prodigy. Yep, I agree. Totally. Oh, he, he actually came up with us one night at, at Papa Boo's and, <laughs> and played with us one That's night. That's cool. And just blew me away. Oh, my gosh. Oh, he's what? He's like 17 now or 18? Well, I don't no, know what he is he, now. I think he's a little older than is that. Is he? A couple yeah. years. But, yeah. Um, well, he yeah. was playing that when he was 13 and 14 and just <sighs> prodigy. I think I think of when I hear him play, I think of Eddie Van Halen. Mm -hmm. He's I, that I He's that good. He really is. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Paul is a, a wonderful, wonderful guitar player. Paul great was, musician. Yes, Paul was wonderful attitude. for these guys' lives because yep. he brought an energy to the band that uh, really, really um, gave us new life, if you will. Yeah. And uh, he used to come. He's the only person in the band that had long hair. And he would come. Paul, I, I hope you don't mind me saying this, uh, but he would come and he'd have a fan that... Most people would have on them to keep them cool. He had it on him to get his hair to blow just right. Bless his heart. He was a pretty boy, and he, oh he deserved God. that. He deserved that title. He, he was, totally deserves he it. He was such a pretty boy. And he still is. Still is. You betcha. Um, yeah, great, great experienced players. Yes. Strong work ethic. Yep. Um, professional. That's the common denominator, isn't it? For us, it is. And, you know, and a passion for the material that, that you guys well, perform, Well, you know, right? we actually go through a really strenuous... On the few times that we've had to replace somebody, and literally in 17 years, I think there has been... Let me count them. I think there's only been a total of like nine people in the band. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's been a short list of who's joined the band. Mike Keller has that list, by the yes, way. Yes, I know you he does. You want to look at that. It's, it's well documented. Oh, he sends it to me all the time to remind me. <laughs> I always lose it. But, but uh, we, uh, we actually, it's really interesting. As I say, we treat it like a business. 
we have a questionnaire and and being these guys live and having the reputation that we have it has been it's been easy to attract people to want to come and join our band uh, they hear that we're looking for somebody and we'll get we'll get 15 inquiries so we came up with this questionnaire that is, I've seen that questionnaire, yeah, by the way. <laughs> it's designed to weed out the people that don't, that aren't Take serious. The time to, yeah. We have we have just a few demands. One of them is this: you can play in any band you want to play in, other than these guys live. But if you're in these guys live, when we have a show, you have to not play somewhere else. So if we get a last minute gig and you are scheduled somewhere else, you need to cancel that because your commitment is to these guys live and the questionnaire weeds those people out. Yeah. It, it says, yeah. you know, questions like, you know, we'll do 60 shows a year. Are you okay with that? Um, are right. you okay with, you know, just little things that, that are you okay with practicing once a week? Are you okay with getting there two hours in advance so we can start on time? Just the things that make us just a, a, a little bit above what we consider a little bit above the average band in Columbus. Yeah. We just, we have to maintain that. And we're, we're, what a compliment. You know, when we started out with this 80s classic rock genre, we were the only band doing that, to the extent that we were. And we had, their philosophy was this, we want to play music that other bands can't play because we had such great musicians in the band. And we were able to do that. And we did that for a long, long time. Uh, and and it's really paid dividends for us over time because people, like I say, when, when somebody wants to leave the band, and they're all still friends. Everybody that's left the band is still a family member of the band. So one of these days when we finally do our final show, we're going to invite everybody back. Oh, yeah. That'll, that'll just be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Everybody plug in. Everybody plug in and let's and jam. Let's go. You know, I know Mike <laughs> Keller told you this story, but I'll reiterate it because it's so fun. Uh, our bass player at the time was Rick Anderson, and we're doing a show, a benefit concert for uh, breast cancer called uh, Bands, Bands of Love, or Bands for Love, or something to that effect. Uh, Mike Pricer, who yes. you also have interviewed here, yeah. uh, he was the organizer of that and just did a beautiful job with it. Uh, so we we decided, okay, we'll perform at this, and we donate our time, and and um, they gave us tickets. The, the venue, uh, Screaming Willie's out in Reynoldsburg, oh gave us gosh. tickets. It was a ticket sales That's thing. Right. And the tickets were 10 bucks a piece. It was all for charity. So I knew a bunch of um, uh, affluent friends of mine who were members at Jefferson Country Club. And I, I was also privileged enough to be a member there for a while. And I hit all these guys up. I didn't ask them if they wanted to buy tickets. I walked up to them and I said, give me $80. And they'd just rip in their pocket and hand me $80 and I'd hand them 10 tickets. You know, here, go to the show, right. hand them out to your friends. So we sold a shitload of tickets for that nice. show. And uh, the, the great thing about that show was, and again, I give kudos to Mike Pricer for, for pulling this whole thing together. What a, what a genius he was for doing this. And so we're, we're doing the, uh, uh, the, the uh, final song of the night, and we're the featured band. All the other bands had played and left, and we're doing the final thing. And Mike had said at the end of the night, we want to do the Beatles song, A Little Help From My Friends, which is Ringo Starr's song. And so 
we go to play it. We, all the other musicians that had been there for the day were all invited to come back up. So there's 40 or 50 musicians on the stage playing. People that weren't even on in the show came up to the stage. It was, it was it one was of these that, things. It was yeah. that, that much fun. So we're playing, and our, our bass player at the time, Rick Anderson, poor Rick, had a very, very small bladder. <laughs> <laughs> and we always had to plan our shows to give him time to relieve himself in between sets. <laughs> so we're coming back up to do this uh, for the bands of love uh, with a little help from my friends. And we start performing the song with all these beautiful musicians up on stage with us. And unbeknownst to any of us, Rick Anderson walks off the stage. To go pee. To go pee. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't miss a beat. He's, got his, he's wireless, and he oh. walks. There was, there was a restroom right backstage, right behind the stage. He walks back, and he does his business. And we're out on stage still singing with a little help from my friends. And he reappears unbeknownst to any of us that he had left. We didn't know until rehearsal the next week that he had left the stage. That's how professional and good he was. Well, yeah, <laughs> it speaks to the professionalism. But yes. I think there's other bass players in Columbus that are known for exit stage left on their yeah. radio frequency, <laughs> unbeknownst to anyone else, and coming back and sometimes forgetting to zip their fly. <laughs> I can't say I've ever seen that. Well, but Len, I'll just, take your we'll word for leave it. it. Leave it lie <laughs> let's there. Let's leave it lie there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Well, Michael, what other um, what other musical experiences have you had? Well, let's see. Um, in addition to the three bands that I've been in, honestly, three bands in my entire life. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. Yeah. And 17 of the last years <laughs> with this one. With a bunch of crazy good guys. You hit, you hit, yep. you hit a good one there. So let's see. We've got these guys live. We've got Felony and the Mod Men. Uh, I, I had a little uh, uh, experience in high school. I, and I was involved in all of the musicals and, and the choir and the ensemble. And, you know, the, the, the choir was so good. We had such a great music director named Jerry Maxwell. He's still around. He's like 90 years old now. Uh, he was, for Columbus City Schools, he was the guy that could, could really bring out your talent. And uh, uh, very blessed to have worked with him. Um, he always found people with talent and kind of worked his music around your talent. Uh, to that end, my junior year of high school, I had the lead performance in... Fiddler on the Roof, which I played Tevya, which was oh. just an amazing experience. And then the following year, um, being classically trained as a tenor, uh, trained from my father, um, I had uh, the privilege of performing the Student Prince, which is an operetta. And my background is actually in classical music and classical training. Uh, I I can't do that anymore because when you sing Led Zeppelin and ACDC for 17 years, <laughs> it kind of changes your vocal cords a little bit. Kind of bakes your approach, too, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit. I still do a little bit of that. Um, I, in my solo show, every once in a while, I'll, I'll pull out um, uh, Nessun Dorma, which is oh. just an incredible song. 
uh, sung by some of the best, Luciano oh, Pavarotti, yeah. oh, uh, Josh Groban, all the great tenors sang the song. And, and, uh, and, you'll, and you'll, I sing you'll it now. do that? I will sing that song solo act? on my solo right, act. When yeah. I'm out there, man, I'm going to ask. <laughs> you show up you and I'll do, do that, that song as a request for I you. I love that song. That is just such a gorgeous it's song. An, it's an opera, yeah, I should say. It is. It's not really not a song. No, it's, it's, it's a piece. It's a piece. Yes. I like that. It's a great way of saying it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I did that. And that, that kind of kept me, uh, you know, uh, uh, connected to music. Um when I got out of high school and then just kind of, you know, everybody in the early 20s, they kind of flounder around trying to find out who they are. I actually left right after high school. I went to California, uh, left for L.A. I was going to find fame and fortune as a rock singer. I got out there, had three months to uh, three months worth of money to uh, to try to find it and have fun. And all I did was have fun. <laughs> Went through a bunch of drugs and a bunch of alcohol. Oh man! And uh, and came back broke, but uh, you had a, a good time. Had though. a great time, yeah. <laughs> oh, but geez. never did find it out there, and uh, came back and and kind of uh, you know like I say, felony got together, and we did uh, six, seven years of that, and that was fun. And then uh, I uh, I met my uh, my first serious relationship, who ended up becoming my first wife and uh we ended up uh uh we had so much going on and and music just we kind of came on went to the back burner at that time and i spent years decades away from music and uh the uh the talent show at shadowbox is what brought me back gotcha that happened in uh gosh i'm trying to think of the year that happened um 2005 maybe mm. uh that back when they were still at easton right now they're down in you know in the uh brewery district down south yep. of columbia south of downtown but they were out and they had a fundraiser and the fundraiser was this you paid them to have bill who who's their house band uh perform songs and you paid them to do that so i chose journeys Fell, uh, uh, faithfully and uh, I they had me scheduled to go on early in the show and I went to Steve uh, Geyer who at the time was the director of the thing and I said Steve please put me on towards the end and he did and there was a motive for that I wanted to let people get kind of in the mood and and just get going there because yeah. I was going to come out and I was going to dazzle them and it, it worked. Good it for worked. you. We when there there's a part in the in the in the song where there's just kind of a sing along with the whoa whoa whoa, and whoa. I'm I look out I, I'm I'm in the I'm looking now keep in mind I haven't performed in years and if, I'm nervous as hell. This I'm, journey song. I'm are you talking me? nervous as hell, and I'm singing this song and I look up during the whoa whoa whoa's and there's 300 people in the audience, all of them with their phones in the air waving back and forth singing whoa 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 with me nice and it it just i'm lucky i got a, through the song lit a fire it lit a fire and that led to my jamming with there's there's an interim part in there i didn't really tell you about yeah. there's an, a musician that's no longer with us a drummer by the name of steve husky and i played in felony with steve he was our drummer for a little while but I jammed with him more than anything else. He didn't want to really want to play in a band. He just wanted to jam on Sundays. So uh, uh, 
during baseball season, we'd go over and we'd watch Cincinnati Reds baseball at his house. He didn't miss a game on TV. He loved the Cincinnati Reds. And then we'd go jam down in his basement. Doug George was on guitar and uh, um, Ron, I can't think of Ron's last name, on bass. Uh, Ron got me in, got me introduced to Joe Holton, the drummer of the Working Stiffs. And that's when I went over and jammed with them. And that's what brought about these guys' oh, life. It's, uh, it's just an amazing what story. What, what an amazing story. What a trail you've blazed. Yeah. Yeah. Just had a blast. And I, I don't want to stop. I'm 70 now, and the band is planning on at least three more years, which will give us 20 years. And then we'll make a decision then. I'd like to still do this when I'm 80. Yeah. I, I, I'm feeling good. Uh, my voice is still strong. I'm, I'm just having a blast. And, you know, when I'm on stage, I just I gain my youth back. And it, it gets me away from all of the, you know, when you turn 70, things happen to your body. Things yeah. start breaking. And I'm uh, 62, trust me. <laughs> you get it. Yeah, I've, oh had, I've had a few back surgeries, and oh, uh, my last one was really tough. It, uh, it really kind of aged me a little bit. And uh, right now, to be on stage for an hour and a half without a break is, is a little challenging. You'll never know it from the audience. I will not let on because, like I say, I hear my dad in my, in my head going, the show. show must go on. And uh, I put a smile on my face, and I go out there, and I have a blast. Well, good for you, man. Yeah, yeah just don't hurt yourself, no. okay? <laughs> not like the hamstring. <laughs> that was the worst. The, uh, we took pictures of my leg. It was, it was literally black and, blue, black and blue from my hip to my ankle. It was solid black and blue. It was nasty. I, when I went to see the orthopedic doctor on the thing, I said, so is this going to have to be surgically fixed? And he said, no. He says, I don't really want to do that. He goes, the recovery on that is really tough. And, you know, he says, if you were an elite athlete, I would, I would say, yes, let's fix it. But you're not. And I said to him, I said, so you mean running a 7-240 doesn't qualify me <laughs> as a quality athlete? So I never did get it fixed, and right now I can't run to this day. And wow. I used to, I used to I used to do marathons. I was I was a distance runner, and uh, I can't I can't run thirty paces now without worrying about my left leg. It just it doesn't communicate with my brain anymore. It's crazy. Oh man! But we still have fun. Yeah, and you are having. And fun. I can still do the doc shuffle on stage. And okay. what is the doc shuffle? The doc shuffle. I knew you were going to follow up on that. The doc shuffle is just kind of a little foot movement I do to shuffle back and forth We've across stage. We've yeah. seen you do that. Yeah. The best night was the night Paul Bernardo's two young sons stood in front of me and did the doc shuffle, and I couldn't even sing. It was I was laughing so hard. You know Paul <laughs> took a dinner moment yes. in the kitchen yep. or, or the dining room. Somewhere to plot somewhere that. He to plotted. make that a reality. He did. Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. So, Michael, the, I, there's got to be some stories. Yeah, oh my. You got you got you, you got to hit us with some <laughs> juice here. With some, you want some juice? Some huh? some, uh, some something that's happened along the way. All right, there. I'll give you I'll give you a few stories. Okay, okay. Uh, Michael Keller, if you're listening, I apologize in advance. Oh my god! One <laughs> <laughs> we performed at uh, coaches in Gahanna one day for one of their St. Patty's Day specials, and they had set up a tent out 
on their parking lot to, to accommodate all the people. Well, the tent, and it was a rainy day that day. It had poured in the morning, and fortunately it had stopped raining long enough for get in and set up and all this in the tent. And I look up at the top of the tent, and there's, I bet there's 50 pinholes in the tent right above where we're playing. No way. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, if it rains, we're going to be wet. Yeah. So I asked Doug for a, a ladder, and I, I literally am up on a ladder with duct tape taping over all of the holes that were over the stage. <laughs> and it poured down rain, rain to the point that it was blowing in on the pavement underneath us. Yep. And we had sandbags in front of us to keep the, keep the, water, the water from coming from, up from on the, the, to the, our the gear. The river would be diverted. Yes. Oh, my absolutely. gosh. Absolutely. We, uh, another funny story, um, back when Joe Holton was our drummer, who was our original drummer, um, Fletch... Sears, our bass player at the time, was really, he was crazy adamant about tempo and making sure that the songs that we covered were performed at the right tempo. So in order to make that happen, he, he, <laughs> Joe Holton was just scared to death of making a mistake. So Joe had this little recorder and he literally recorded the start of every song and he would put the recorder up to his ear before we would start a song so he could have the right tempo. <laughs> well, we started getting questions from the audience going, what the hell is your drummer doing on his phone between every, so between every song? He's on his phone. What's going on? We had to explain it was a recorder. He only did that about three weeks. And finally, he said, the heck with this. I'm not doing it anymore. He's got it down. He's got it. He He's never, got By it the down. way, it was always right to begin with. It was never sure. wrong. So, <laughs> uh, let's see here. Oh, my gosh. Another story. Um, we did this show for um, Easton at... Uh, um, it's now the, the Lego store. It was it was a bar before that, and I'm drawing a blank on the name right now. You know, I haven't been to East. It was a, long a game time. room. It was a big game room at the time. Oh uh, yeah, inside, 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 inside. By, by the theater. And they did they did a show once a year for New Year's Eve. Well, QFM was sponsoring the show, and they wanted to do a promo thing for their for the on air. So they invited us to the studio to do three songs. At 6.30 in the morning. Now, this was on a Monday, and we had had a show Saturday night, and I don't recover well from shows. I just, I just takes a little time for me. So we have, we're setting up in the studio that's about the size of a standard bedroom. There's, you know, Wags and I forget who this, it wasn't Elliot, it was the other guy. I can't think of his name right now. Wags and whoever. Uh, and the sound and their engineer was in the studio, and six people. Was it Pat and Wags back then. Yes, it, it was. It was. Thank yeah. you. It's Pat. And I love QFM. So we did. We go in and we're setting up, and there were six people that had won tickets to come into the studio, and and witness the band performing live. Now, other people that had come in to do things in the studio, they would bring an acoustic guitar or whatever. We brought our entire show except lights <laughs> <laughs> and we're in this studio and I am literally the six people that had won tickets. 
I could have sat in one of their laps. I was so close to this guy. I felt sorry for the guy. He literally had to look and break his neck to look at me, to look at me singing. 6.30 in the morning. 6.30 <laughs> in the morning. And we did, uh, we did uh, our Led Zeppelin medley and a couple other songs. And it was, it was just an amazing experience. We got through it and certainly went home and slept real quickly after yeah, that. It was a long weekend. <laughs> it was a long weekend. It, uh, it, it really paid off, though. The place was packed. We had a great time. Good deal. Um, there was a time, and I know Mike kind of talked about this when he was on the show a few weeks ago. Uh, we were playing at a place out in Reynoldsburg, and this, this drunk guy is walking towards the stage, and he trips and falls into Keller's gear. Now, Mike's got $20,000 worth of pedals on the floor in front of him, Okay. And he's got three guitars. And I mean, the guy's literally got $30,000 gear yeah, on the stage, I'm right? I'm aware. I, I, I bought some, some of this. This guy, he's wireless. He, he's wireless, okay? So we're performing. We're in the middle of a song. This guy falls into him and doesn't apologize, doesn't do anything, walks outside. Well, Keller chases him outside, yelling at him, What the hell are you doing? What are, get back here. <laughs> And he didn't miss a beat. He played every note, kept playing. And, but I'm turning around, I'm looking at him going, Jesus, Mike, get back in here. What are you doing? <laughs> he chased the guy halfway out the parking lot just to make a point. So that, uh, that has a story we still tell to this day. I, you know, I'm a little shocked that Mike could get that alarmed. You know, he, he's a pretty reserved he's guy. He's very reserved, but don't mess with his stuff. <laughs> Don't mess with his gear. He good, doesn't. Good for him. I'm not allowed to. When I help load in with other players, I'm not allowed to touch his gear. I don't tell that. <laughs> it's his gear. You know, it's interesting because anytime I've purchased one of his, and he does have very high end. Oh my equipment. God, it's all, it's all Cadillac. And when he's done with it, yes. he'll, he'll post it on Facebook. And mm -hmm. I'm usually one of those guys that starts liking it to see if there's going to be a price drop. Yep. Okay. Yep. Sometimes there is. Yep. And sometimes there isn't. <laughs> but eventually, if you're lucky, like me. Yeah. Okay. I've been lucky a couple times. You go over there. Yeah. And you play it. Yep. And you love it. Yep. And it's in great, it's in great condition. Absolutely. Because, because everything is packed in little baggies. Oh, he's he's it's, meticulous. It's highly protected. Yep. And it's tucked away in its little sack. You're not surprising me. That's okay. Keller. And then <laughs> as you're walking down the stairs, he's he's almost making sure Yeah, he's helping. Not he's not going to help you. He yeah. wants to make sure you don't drop the exactly. equipment as you're going down I know. the stairs and take great he's, care. He's he's just and, that way. And he'll give you a little wave at the door. Yeah. Yep. And he waves to his equipment. <laughs> He's not waving at you. He's waving at his gear. And then, he, then he pats that <laughs> couple, couple eight, nine hundred dollars in yep, his pocket. That's right. And he says, "Thank you, Leonard. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you, guitar." <laughs> so I, I can see why he gets a little upset touching he's, his stuff, uh, man. He's, you know, Mike and I are the are the founders of the group. Yes. We've, we've been together for the full seventeen years. Yes. And we just have a blast. Uh, Contras has been with us for ten, and uh, that's our keyboard player. And Marty's been with us for, I want to say, six or seven, maybe eight years. Wow. And uh, Flint's our newest member, but thank God he came along when he did because... The voice. The voice. The guy is just amazing. I love to hear him sing. 
And, and the thing is, as I get older, I'm giving more songs to him. <laughs> I just sing backups or just walk off the stage and let him do his thing. That's cool. Though. I've earned the right. <laughs> Those are that's that's good brotherhood. There it is. The it most definitely is. And he and I are golfing buddies. So oh, uh, Flint and I have a blast. We just have so much fun together. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'll tell you a couple of crazy stories. If okay. You will. Well, that that would be okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we're we did a uh, Wednesday night at uh, at Quaker Steak and Lube. Uh, which, as you know, that's kind of a controversial thing going on right now with um, well, I, uh, some I of the local a, musicians. I think there's a healthy discussion going there on is, right now. There is, and it should be and going it, and on. It's, it's, I think it's going to be an open, honest I, conversation about I, yes. what's happening with that particular venue, which I yep. think a lot of people enjoy. Yes. Right? It's a fun place. And, and the music aspect uh, just needs to be addressed as it, as it would relate to what's going on it's, there. It, yeah. And I understand the point. The point is... Don't undersell yourself. Yeah. We're musicians. We're all together in Central Ohio. We're a fraternity. Let's all work together. And you guys taking gigs for $500, don't do it. Because yeah. you, you hurt the rest of us. Yeah, yeah. there's there's a lot to that. Yeah, yeah. there is. There's, and there's I, don't wanna, I don't want to get into the politics. No, that's, we, that's not important to no, me. No, but, but I think it's a healthy conversation. It is, yeah. and it, it needs to take place. And, and certainly I will welcome being part of that discussion mm. if it ever gets to that point. Sure. I've been a proponent for years for the bands, you know, talking to one another and saying, look, let's not, let's not sell ourselves short mm. because... The, the owners need us. They're making a lot of money off of us. Yeah. We just want our fair share. And I think that's, yeah, that's the I way think, it is. I think you can do that um, in your case, right? Sure. Because you have a big following. Yes. Not every band has a big following. They and don't. So the model, you know has to be flexible sure and um, look we played for we've done our 500 hundred dollar gigs oh, yeah. we've done that but, but that was 17 years ago right? yes okay. and, we've, and we've, it's different now we've for marketed you. quite well and right. fortunately we're a good band so yeah. it, it sells itself really more than anything else let me so take anyway a so anyway you were you were playing quaker state yes we were playing one Quaker time. Steak. <laughs> this is how long ago oh gosh oh 15, 15 years okay. ago 15 so years you're ago you're playing this gig we're doing this gig at quaker state and we're having a blast and it's a great gig oh it's a great gig yeah. like hundreds of people showing Absolutely. up for this thing and lots of bikes and everything it's just it's just a great event it is um so we're we're performing and I didn't we weren't in air at the time. We all had our wedges are are in front of us. And the only thing separating this young lady from coming up and joining me on stage was my wedge. Okay? Okay. So she's dancing in front of me and 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 she decides that it's time to impress me, I guess. So she lifts her top and starts flashing her girls at me. And, you know, doing, making them do little circles. And I'm trying to sing, and I'm looking at this. My wife at the time, Tracy, is standing five feet to the left and two feet behind her. So I'm trying to watch this girl because I'm a man. Let's face it. I got instincts. It happens. It happens. And I'm looking at her, and then I'm looking at my wife, and I'm looking at her, and I'm looking at my wife. And it's like, oh, Shit, are you kidding me? What am I supposed to do here? You're supposed to sing. I, I did. That's exactly <laughs> what I did. Um, so she, she shows me her, her girls, yeah. and then that wasn't enough. She pulls her top down, turns around, and drops trowel. Oh, nice. Oh, I'm, I'm literally, I could, I could have spanked her. I was that close. Yeah. 
And the rest of the band's looking and it's like, okay, I guess we've earned this. So that was a fun story. My my best risque story, if you will. What? Yeah, I've got a good one. I've got a really good one. Um, we're playing out at Papa Boo's back before they moved the stage. It was back um, where it faced uh, towards the building, not the lake. And the stage was was two feet tall at the time. It wasn't the big four-foot stage they have now. So um, we're playing, and, and the place is just jammed. Wow. I mean, it is, without a doubt, the most energy, yep. energized place I've ever had the privilege of playing. And we're, we're performing, and these two girls, and I mean, when I say good-looking, I mean either one of them I would have taken home to meet mom. This is my future <laughs> wife. They were absolutely gorgeous. And they started lip-locking. They were kissing. And I don't just mean pecking. They, they were, were having a good time. They were tongue-deep buried. <laughs> and I'm watching this, and we're performing, and I'm still carrying on with the crowd, and I'm having a great time. And next thing I see, the one girl takes to the other one and lays her down on the stage between Mike Keller and me. And starts performing this sex act on her. Really? Oh, yeah. And I'm trying to sing, and I'm looking at Keller, and I'm looking at them, and I'm looking at the audience, and I'm looking at Keller. Keller's looking at him, and then he just turns away, and he's looking 800 degrees in the opposite direction. He will not make eye contact with him Look again. away. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and I'm taking in the whole show. And it was, uh, it was, it was quite lovely. <laughs> Good for you, man. Those just are the a, best shows. They though. are the best. And they are the that, best. Has that happened just the one time, Michael? Or uh, those types you know, of those things? kinds of things don't happen very often. So that's why All they right. stick with you. Okay. With you. <laughs> we did this. Uh, we used to do this show on Tuesday nights in Whitehall, at uh, at their park, uh, and they had this was crazy. They had a band, which is us, and they they had the city council meeting on the stage. <laughs> now, we're there, and we did our sound check, and we get all these people coming in, checking us out for our sound check, and they're getting sure. ready for a show, right? Yeah. Nope. We leave the stage. They bring out these chairs and these tables, and they have a full city council meeting and we are wanting to play rock and roll. So right. these people are in there for the meeting. And when the meeting's over, they all leave. So we're, we literally set up. We're already set up. So it takes us five minutes to plug in and get ready to play. And we get ready and we start playing. We're playing to empty seats. There's oh. nobody there. The, the city council had turned everybody off so badly. That it was an empty, empty space. Memo to self. If I ever own a city or run a city... Don't have a rock concert the same time you have a city council meeting. No. Bad idea. Just oh, an absolute geez. bad idea. So uh, I know that, uh, I think, did I tell you the story already about, Cal, or about um, our Rick Anderson? I already told you that one. So you know, we've had the privilege of, uh, of opening for uh, Eddie Money and Rick Springfield twice, as a matter of fact. And just to, just to be in the same green room with them was a thrill beyond imagination. That's so cool. Rick was, uh, um, he had a, the second year we opened for him, he had a sore throat. And I had this gum, you could buy it anywhere. It's, it's called Five. 
And you can you go to the drugstore right now. It's sitting right next to the cash register. Five gum. And I loved it. And, and I would chew it all the time because it was really soothing on your throat. So Rick had sore throat. And I gave him a piece of gum. And I said, here, try this. I think, you'll, I think it'll help. And sure enough, he tries it and he loves it. And he does the show and he goes out and he comes back afterwards. And he said, thanks, man. That was really, thank you for doing that. So I told some friends about it and about the five gum. So he, to this day, if, you, if you're one of my friends and you'll see a Rick Springfield show, take a pack of five gum and throw it up on the stage and watch his reaction. He will start laughing hysterically because he remembers what that was about. And, and we, that happened in Obets oh, when wow. we couldn't go. I had some friends of mine go down there and throw some, throw some gum on so stage. So he'll know that and you're from Ohio. Yes. Right? <laughs> throwing the five. He, he got, he got the message, and he was actually looking around for me. He thought I was there. Oh, jeez. So, <laughs> That's pretty cool, though. That was very cool. Nice. Yeah. But he's uh, he just super nice guy. Just, just amazing, amazing friend. Yeah, and who I really became friends with was uh, Matt Bissonette, his bass player. Matt uh, lives in Los Angeles. He's big time studio, and he and his brother Greg uh, have a band called the Mustard Seeds. Um, I don't know much of their music, but I uh, I know Matt, and uh, I'm Matt, and I actually talk you know once a month. I'll give him a call, find out how he's doing. After um, you know, because he is in Los Angeles and plays for several you know different musicians. Um, he toured with Elton John the last three years of, you know, when Elton did his farewell tour, um, Matt is playing bass for him. And if you see oh, him, if you cool. see any shows, if you see Matt always wears a, a little fedora. So if you see Matt on stage with a fedora, that's him. That's and cool. super guy, just a super nice guy. And, yeah. and you stay in touch with them. I do. Yeah. 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 I keep threatening to come out to Los Angeles. He says, get out here. You should but do it. I know, I know. Would they have you sing, you think? I think so, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, uh, I got to, this is my 15 minutes of fame. I'll tell you my 15 minutes of fame. The second year we uh, played with him, um, he did uh, Jesse's Girl as his final song before his encore. He did it both years. And the second year, I'm standing uh, uh, stage left, and it's near the dressing rooms, and... Matt walks over and he hands me a tambourine. He goes, come on, we're getting ready to do uh, Jesse's Girl and you're singing high harmonies. Nice. And I went, okay. So I go out and I perform the song with him and, and I'm hitting the high harmonies that nobody in their band hits. Like, so when That's Rick's not, Rick's not used there. to hearing that. Right. So he hears that high, the high harmonies and I, he turns to his left and he's looking back at me and he just kind of shook his head yes and smiled and moved on with the show. How cool is that? that is, that's my 15 minutes. That was it. I had oh, my 15 man. minutes of fame right then and there. Good for you. It was great. After, and right after that, um, when they're doing their, um, uh, they, they perform a Beatles song as their See You Later, Guys. Thanks for coming out show. Um, she's So Heavy is what they're doing. You know, bomb, bomb, bomb. Bum, 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 bum. So they're doing that while they're saying goodbye to everybody. And, and Rick's introducing all the members of the band. Yeah. And I'm there and he, he draws a blank on my name and he's looking at me and he goes, and, uh, you know, that guy right there. <laughs> <laughs> 
I got a, that guy. Lied. I got a, I got a fist bump out of him, so that was good. That's very cool. <laughs> yeah, it was fun being on stage with him. It was a lot of fun. Oh, I yeah. can only imagine. Yep. Good for you. Yeah, had a blast. And and like I say, we're we're 17 years and going strong, and I sure hope we're doing it in three, four, five more years. I just want to keep going. I told the band I'll go until my voice gives out, and so far, so good. Good. Yeah. That's good to hear. Yeah. Well, and we'll be out to see you at least in 2024. I sure hope so. Please do, Lance. These guys live. Mm-hmm. 45 shows, did you say? Uh, 43 40. to 45, something like that. At the and end of the day, you'll add 15, a couple more. 15 Michael Dr. Feelgood shows. Okay. Which is my solo. And we'll and put links to your both websites yeah. in your episode. Uh, wonderful. For, for good keeping there. Great. And, um, that is wonderful. We'll call this episode number 56. Okay. I like that. Michael Doctor. <laughs> 1956. Let's see. We had a 56 Chevy when I was a kid. That works? That was beautiful. I, the story I remember about that is I used to have a slingshot, uh, and I had marbles, you know, the Puri marbles, and I'd sit on my front step, and I'd point them up in the air, and I'd, I'd shoot these marbles up in the air, just straight up, right? Okay. Not thinking they were going to come down. <laughs> just go right. up. Right, just going to shoot them. So... 56 Chevy sitting out in front on the curb. And um, so go back inside, done with all that. Get ready. Mom's taking us to the store. Get in the car. And there's broken glass on the seat of front seat of the 56 Chevy. You look at the windshield and there's this little hole about the size of a BB, of a marble that had come through the windshield. <laughs> Mom wasn't happy. No. Mom stop wasn't that, happy. Man. <laughs> Okay, well, the number 56 then has, 56 a, has means something to me. Yes, it does. That's yes, good it to, does. That's good to hear. <laughs> yeah. All right, mister. I really appreciate you coming. Len, I've had a blast. Thank you so much. Thank for, you. Thank you for doing what you do. This is, this is just fun, amazing. Man. It's a lot of this fun. This is amazing. It is what so you do. much fun. Yeah. I you can know. see you get to meet all these great musicians well, here in town. Know, I've, I, I don't know everyone, obviously, but I, there's a lot that um, I've been acquainted with for, mm-hmm. for many years. Right. And um, it's just really a great, you know, and like um, you and I, I mean, I've, I've seen you at the shows. I, sure. I didn't think you knew me by name, but, I, but there's so many faces, right? But but to reach out and to have yes. have you say, yeah, man, you know what? It's going to be a good time, and you, we've yep. made it a good time. It's it's been fantastic, and I'm glad I came an hour and a half early. We were able to sit down and get to know each other. Oh yeah, that that was that, really that's wonderful. Helpful. That's yeah. helpful oh, it too because it, it helps. It helps just kind of loosen things up. And you probably tell someday when I come out of my shell, I'm really going to go places. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, better believe it. All right, man. Yes. Well, episode 56, mm-hmm. Michael Doctor, thank you so much. Thank you, Lynn. I had a blast. And thank you for listening. Bye-bye.